Let's get sweaty. Hey guys, welcome to this bonus episode of the Shenmue Dojo Show. Um, today we are going to be looking at and reviewing the, the documentary A Gamer's Journey. It's been a long time coming, but I have to say, finally watched it and glad to have watched it. But before that, James Mann, how you doing? I'm doing all right, thanks Matt. Yeah, been a long time coming, this documentary, this momentous occasion. Um, it's finally here, we've both watched it and um, we've actually got a copy to give away as well if you want to stick around uh, during the show, Matt, but I'm okay. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Roasting in the office, but I'd mm, rather be roasting than freezing, so I shouldn't, shouldn't complain too much. So, guys, for everybody, what we're going to be doing is reviewing A Gamer's Journey, the Shenmue documentary. We're going to go for about an hour, hour and a half on this. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk a little bit about the history and how this sort of concept came about from its very, very early roots to the Kickstarter to the finished product. We're going to then run through the documentary itself, sort of picking out key points we liked, our impressions of it, talk about the soundtrack, those sorts of things as well. Um, We'll then look at the special features and some of the things that are in there. There are some that aren't on disc, but are available on the uh, digital formats, which we will sort of touch on because there's some really good stuff in there as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And then at the end, we'll sort of give our final impressions, rate it out of 10, and talk a little bit about the competition that James just mentioned as well. So, diving straight into the introduction there. Now, this project started all the way back in 2014, as a, and it was intended to be essentially a very small Shenmue documentary, inspired essentially to help get Shenmue 3 made and raise awareness of Shenmue and, and all the rest of it. So 2014, footage started being shot. The unthinkable happened in 2015. <laughs> Yep. Shenmue 3 gets announced and it then put all of Adam's plans completely to pot and they had to start again basically with this. It then culminated in the 2018 Kickstarter project um, which I'm sure by Adam's admission took a lot longer than they'd have liked to get this thing through the door when you think we, you know, we're we now nearly well, nine years mm-hmm. on in fact from the original concept to this coming through and hitting people's doorsteps. You've had to deal a lot, a lot of journey, with a lot. <laughs> yeah, a massive journey. When you think we've had to deal with, obviously, Shenmue 3 being announced, being released, COVID in between that. Um, the emotions. I bet they were. <laughs> like a roller coaster went up and down yeah, all the way definitely. through. And then some you know, some tricky times with the Kickstarter, I think it's fair to say. There were some yeah. quite nasty comments floating around, which are never justified. I understand frustration around it, absolutely. But people mm-hmm. need to keep their shit together, quite frankly. <laughs> you get that with every, every project, really, don't you? You do, but it's it's still... They did, in the end, as, as, as fulfil all the rewards. It took them a long time. But one thing I can say before we sort of dive into this in detail is they've done a really good job with this documentary. And we were all very, very, very excited to get this thing in our hands it's a literal mm-hmm. journey of the history of Shenmue and Sega with some stops along the way. And people are probably still getting their copies hit the door as we speak, as we record this thing. So I'm going to dive as straight in now. First impressions. What did we think of this documentary? James, go into it a little bit. What did you, you know, Give me some overall thoughts on this thing. What did you make of it? Okay, so we've obviously we've watched it digitally 
Yeah. Um, probably about a year ago, whenever it was released publicly to, to the Kickstarter backers. And it kind of... I don't want to go like over the top and saying like it blew me away, but obviously, as in terms of documentary format, style, presentation, I think it's very professional. It's it's it is something that you would expect to see on you know a streaming service like Netflix or something like that. You could even imagine the little thumbnail yeah. clicking yeah, on it. Yeah, yeah. You're sitting down and watching this 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 story of Sega, of Shenmue, of Yu Suzuki, of everything that's you know quite well detailed within the documentary. Um, so it really impressed me actually at first. Um, I watched it obviously this time last year whenever it was released to the public um, and all the special features and stuff. And yeah, I was pretty much fulfilled, barring receiving this awesome um, Blu-ray, which we've got. Um, let's see if I can show you this a little bit. So this is the actual physical that is landing on people's doorsteps at the moment. Um, impressed with the overall packaging as well. The yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's came out really nicely actually as a, a physical media piece. In fact, I think I've seen him. He's um, he camera focuses back. He released a picture on Twitter. I think it's gone in some some shops somewhere. Yeah, um, yes, he was sharing. Did you see shop, that? Wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah in a gaming cool. shop. He had it on a shelf or whatever. Um, so that's really awesome. That must be awesome to see that for Adam, like actually getting his product on a, a shelf. Um, and then, uh, like you touched upon, Matt, there's like some extra things on the Blu-ray that weren't in the actual digital release. Mm -hmm. There's this 10-minute um, behind-the-scenes piece of footage that I was just in awe of watching. Um, you know, getting to, to actually see hands-on Yu Suzuki, which you know we'll, we'll go into a bit more detail later. But those were a nice little additions to the the disc-based version. And um, yeah, I just overall, I just thought it was a really well-made documentary. Um, we put it on me and my wife. I, I made her watch it basically. Um, <laughs> I think I didn't. I don't know what she she thought she was getting in for, but I think she was expecting like when I said we're going to watch the Shemu documentary. I, th I think she thought it would probably be like more like a, a YouTube fan-made, mm, you know, yeah. hash together sort of thing. And actually, she was quite impressed. Um, I, I don't think she was expecting it to be so well produced actually so um yeah you've got the seal of approval from my wife there <laughs> how about you matt that's from a non-shenmue fan as well uh, yeah honestly i was really really impressed with it obviously we like you said james we had the benefit of seeing the rough cut a few years back seeing it digitally back mm. in 2022 and then obviously seeing it again with the with the physical copy which um landed on, on my doorstep sometime late april i think it was so it's been a little while for me and i have rewatched it again just to sort of get up to speed with this really professionally put together i think it stands out you can see it's been made with care attention and love i mean adam's a massive shenmue fan so you'd expect nothing less in that regard and i think the journey it takes you on it is something that actually is quite emotive for a shenmue fan um it it may not resonate with everybody in gaming but mm -hmm. i think there's enough there for somebody who isn't a shenmue fan to pick this up and and, and understand quite where this this passion comes from and why the community are so vocal and so into this game i mean going into the, we may as well segue into the documentary itself now it makes absolute sense to at this point that yeah. opening scene where you see you've got the music playing in the background you've got the scene with the saturn and it pans over and you see the guy mm. taking the shenmue disc out and popping it into the dreamcast like for me that that transports me back to being a 14 year old kid 
and you yeah. sit there and go, yeah, 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 it's really emotive. That's like that opening, like it makes you, it made me choke up because that's mm. my childhood in in a, <laughs> like a two minute scene, isn't it? It's, everyone's it's, bedroom from that that era, right? <laughs> I mean, that bedroom was probably slightly less messy than mine, but we'll less ignore messy. that fact. <laughs> but it, that 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 scene sets the tone, I think, for the journey that we end up going on, and it's yeah. a long, winding journey of Shenmue with a lot of stops on the way. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's the Kickstarter dinner, there's the Sega history. They look at Yu Suzuki's history as well, which is massively underrated. And actually, mm-hmm. if you're looking for his history, this documentary is a really good point, a good starting point for that, I think. Yeah. And one thing I think stands out is the interviews with people like Michael Huber and, and people like that who have been along this journey with us the whole way through. And that that passion that comes through from them is pretty much one-to-one with what the community were thinking and when you think of i think how they interdisperse things with with the music which is an original score and works exceptionally well and the little stops on the way with the developers etc i think they did a cracking job and i'm going to dive into sort of the setup of it if you like the way they did this the way they structured it how did you feel around the whole structure of the documentary from start to finish yeah, I, I personally, I I thought it was well-structured. Um, like you say there, the use of interviews, footage of Yu Suzuki, and then you've got the sort of kickstarter dinner and um, Adam and Peter and, you know, the other guy that was on the Dubuita Street actually walking around and um, showing you this, this on-set location, basically, from the game. Um, I mean, it, it's kind of like having... Two, two or more documentaries roll intertwined. It's like you've got this sort of, you know, ongoing Sega history with the Yu Suzuki stuff, and then there's sort of like fans going off on their little journey as well. It's quite nice. Um, I do feel like maybe there should have been a little bit more context behind some of the stuff that was going on. Um, obviously, you say it opens up nicely with the, the bedroom scene, um, but I'm trying to think of like the mindset of someone that doesn't really know what Sega is, perhaps, doesn't really know what Shenmue is. Uh, maybe they're just interested. Maybe they've heard about Shenmue. Maybe, you know, that recent um, top 100 games they've seen, oh, what's the Shenmue number 41 or whatever, and, you know, pick, uh, find this documentary on a streaming platform or wherever they come across it. And I just feel like maybe they, they needed some sort of context to some of the things that were going on, like why, you know, what's going on with Adam and Peter on Dewita Street. There's no real... Um, unless you've played the game and you've got that sort of relationship with where the game's set, um, you know, it's just a couple of people walking down the road kind of thing. Um, and I feel like maybe it's, I mean, it's it's great if you've got that sort of pre-assumed knowledge of Sega and, and gaming history. Um, it just kind of like, if you haven't, it's like maybe the first half an hour and then you understand what's going on, if you know what I mean. So maybe it's not like it's it's instantly clear of the the narrative of the documentary until maybe about half an hour in, when you you know things start picking up and you get the ball rolling there, and it starts coming together. Um, so if you can stuck, stick around like um, thirty minutes, then you've you've got all that. But maybe it could have just done with like a little bit of context at the start of these things, just to say like you know introducing. Um, the the whole reason 
for the documentary, I guess, like this is such a, a passionate game series that we all love and this is the reason why and you know just sort of sum it up in a nutshell and then get on with the documentary is um what i thought might have been useful to do at the start and then maybe like a bit of context to what date uh what's happening on the debuita street with peter and adam and stuff and then that footage a little bit later where you know everyone's seen walking around with you suzuki there's no real context behind that so maybe it would have been nice to say like you know we backed Shemu 3 at the 10 grand tier. This was like a Kickstarter dinner. Um, you Suzuki showed us around. I know Peter says it's the best day of his life or whatever, <laughs> which I could imagine it being. Um, yeah, I just felt like maybe there was a few little, tiny little bits of context that was missing. Overall, other than that, um, a stunning documentary put together. Um, and like I say, if you stick around all the way to the end, you will get all that context. It's just, I feel like if, you, if you're diving in, without any pre-assumed knowledge. It may just take a little bit to sort of get into it, um, is all I'd say. It's very, I probably compares to Shenmue a little bit, and it's a slow burner. You sort mm. of, like a puzzle piece, you're building the edges first to get that sort of context around yeah. what's going on. And then when it's done, that, that outline's done, and it starts filling in these gaps, you start mm -hmm. the pace of the development, the game release, um, the reception of it then sort of moving on into the sort of the dark ages of Shenmue if you like that's when it all really sort of comes together and that sort of emotive bit for a non-Shenmue fan yes exactly hit home where they start to make the links of okay this is why the fan base were so passionate about it this is why um people were clamoring for this series to continue and the documentary, what I think does a really good job of doing, it, certainly for, for Shenmue fans, and I do think it does cross over to non-Shenmue fans, is is give that emotion around it. Mm, definitely. That, that feeling around quite why we're so insane about this thing. Well, there's a lot, really, that they've got to cover, really, if you think about it. They, I, I feel like Adam may have mentioned this in the past, like how much he's had to cover, because it's not just a story about Shenmue. No, not he's got at all. to He's got to provide context to, like, well... Who's Yu Suzuki? You know, yeah. what's Sega? Um, you know, who are all these people that are involved in the creation of the game? You know, going all the way back to 1999. And you can't just stop there. It's like, oh, well, you know, there was a Sega Saturn build. You know, this is something that was worked on. This is like something that Sega put all of their sort of marketing towards, all of the money. This was going to be the big killer title that was going to revitalize the company and, you know, bring the Dreamcast into the forefront of gamers everywhere kind of thing. And they've got yeah. to cover all those things. But then you go even further back now, you've got to go all the way back to the 80s to sort of suggest like, you know, Yu Suzuki, the reason why they chose Yu Suzuki as the leader of this project, his his magnum opus or whatever, is because he had such success with, you know, these arcade titles from back in the yeah, day. So yeah, there's, yeah. there's so much that they've got to cover. I think the structure that they had to go for in the end is probably better than most people could do with all that information that you, you've got going there um so any little nitpicks like i was mentioned about the context and stuff it's just so hard just to put that stuff together that i don't even these you, you can't literally do it i don't think i think it'd be too too difficult to structure this sort of a film with that much context required that i think the the end result was Probably as best as you could get. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to be storyboarding this with all that context and history. When you think, 
um, and part of the thing they do really, 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 really well here is when they're talking about the Sega history, they get lots of shots up of like old arcade titles, so like Outrun, yeah. Space Harrier. You see a cabinet of Virtua Fighter in um, some in an arcade somewhere. I think they shoot one of the. I can't remember which game it is. They shoot one of the games in a bowling alley, and you can sort of see Virtua Fighter. You've got mm. yeah. So, they you see the pan shot of the arcade machine and that gives a really sort of big added context to what they're talking about and the progression that sega had as being pioneers essentially mm -hmm. in in gaming first 3d fighter for example why suzuki essentially established himself as one of the top developers engineers in gaming at that point in history he was up there with the very, very best. And actually, the, the, and I said this before, the history section around Yu Suzuki and the impact he had on gaming was was, was is second to none in, in my mind. If you want a quick stop history of Yu Suzuki, watch this documentary because it really gives you a feel for quite how influential he was and yeah. also how he gave Sega a lot of credence, a lot of success and gave them integrity. So when you sort of come, and they talk about this in the documentary, when you come out of the Saturn era, which let's be honest, for Sega outside of Japan was a total shit show. Mm -hmm. Great console, don't get me wrong, great games on it, but it got absolutely smashed by the PlayStation in the West. They they turned to their secret weapon essentially and <laughs> said, right, yeah, let's let's revitalize this company. Let's let's push this forward. Let's push the envelope. And that's what Shenmue was there to do. It was the line in the sand. It was a game that wasn't just to be played. It was to be an experience and people shouldn't be limited. And it came over that came over really well in the documentary for me that they were trying to not just develop a game, but develop something groundbreaking. And I part of like the structure of this documentary, I really like how they inter interdisperse these points with the, with the development staff talking about the time on the game and how they were putting things together. Like, for example, when it started out, it was The Legend of Akira. Yeah. And they were on at Yuzuzuki for, for what seems like quite a long time to go drop drop Akira, do an original character. And then he sort of came round to the idea and said, okay, we're going to do that now. And they talk about <laughs> all the weird and wonderful ideas that Yuzuzuki had at the time. And they're going, how the fuck do we put this together because <laughs> it was all new it was all new but i think they having that context from the developers in there really gives a um flavor of quite how groundbreaking this thing was and why it was and still is in in a lot of people's minds a sort of concord moment of gaming it mm -hmm. was the moment that the triple a title effectively in my mind was born and to see this history through the documentary with the respect they handled it with i think it, it speaks volume for how good this thing actually is and that's without going into the use of like the chapter tiles which we'll talk about and some of the footage from the dreamcast etc i mean james take us away on some of that footage they showed and how it sort of really adds to this this um journey if you like yeah definitely i mean they've got some really awesome like composite shots of a dreamcast on sort of a, a, they, they do this quite often where they've got like a crt in the background yeah, yeah, and they yeah. sort of blur the sides and you know the focus really professionally shot um aesthetically pleasing how it just sort of pans over the dreamcast and then shows the footage on the you know the crt tv it's it really harkens back to that 1990s um era of crts and footage and and, and that sort of concepts and stuff 
just wanted to pick up on a point you were saying about obviously this footage you got of Yu Suzuki talking and I really appreciate that. I really like getting these little inside things and especially for the audience that people who perhaps don't really know about Shenmue, they've heard how groundbreaking it was and stuff and then they're actually seeing all these ideas and concepts that Yu Suzuki was coming up with like the magic rooms um, he goes into and uh, just some of the things that they had to do that was like groundbreaking for the time and still is kind of groundbreaking these days. Um, but it had me thinking when you're seeing this sort of stuff in the documentary, the footage where he's talking about he was stubborn, didn't want to change it from Virtua Fire. Do you reckon if they had have kept it as Virtua Fire name, it would have been more successful because it's already got that sort of uh, history involved. It's sort mm. of this Virtua Fighter. Virtu- Everyone knows Virtua Fighter, whereas like Shenmue um, is like a just a, a random name and tip within that era. Um, obviously, they, they, they changed the, the character from Akira to Ryo. Um, I just feel like maybe if we could go back in time and it was called Virtua Fighter RPG, do you reckon more people would have been interested in it because of the name? Possibly, because like you say, you've got brand recognition mm. there. Um, so that that could lean into it. I guess the, the, the thing would be, and it's, it's a wider topic around Shenmue as a game as, as a whole, and they, they talk about this in the, in the documentary, that it's deliberately slow-paced, especially Shenmue 1. Shenmue 2 yeah. is a bit quicker in the way it picks things up and moves things forward. If it's the exact same game, but with Virtual Fighter branding on it, it may pick up a few, may have picked up a few more people, but mm-hmm. I still think you probably would have experienced the same sort of criticisms that were levelled at Shenmue at the time. Not all are fair, but some are in terms of it can be mundane, it's not necessarily for everybody, and you know that's a completely different topic that I'm sort of going, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole here. <laughs> yeah. But I do think it would have carried a bit more brand recognition, which may have, I think, with when you think like Virtua Fighter 3 obviously came out on Dreamcast, Virtua Fighter 4 ended up on the PlayStation 2, yeah. you had VF5 on um, PlayStation 3 as a release title, and then it moved over to Xbox later on as well. It might have had that momentum, from those games as well to almost like justify an additional entry via Virtual Fighter RPG 1, 2, 3, whatever it was going to be. Really interesting thought. Only like, only because it's discussed in the documentary, I ever really thought about it. But like, like you're, you're saying, if once the game series moved across to the Xbox, the original Xbox, and it's Shenmue 2 on everyone's shelves, yeah. you know, this brand new audience that haven't played a Sega game before, perhaps, you know, the, their gaming background is not going to be the same as ours. Where we we picked up an original Xbox because of Sega, mm-hmm. in a sense, those those titles that were we wanted on the Dreamcast that then made the way to the the original Xbox. But then these newcomers to the series seeing a game called Shenmue Two on the shelf. I don't know if it said Virtua Fighter RPG Chapter mm. Two or something like that. They may have been like, "Oh, what's this?" You know, I've heard about Virtua Fighter because that was a much more well-recognized name in, in, in gaming, perhaps. It's just an interesting thought I just thought about um, with the, the mention. But yeah, you've got other composite shots, arcade machines, like you say, Mike, you've got the Virtual Fighter machine, really cool how they pan across the, the bowling alley. There was, um, I don't know where I've read this, maybe it was an up, in an update, but Adam said that they actually had to, um, I, 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 th- I think they were friends with the the owner of the bowling alley or something. Yeah. And he was like really on board. He was like unplugging it from where obviously it was to put it in front of a bowling alley for these shots. So you know they they managed to pull quite a few strings to get things and th- these sort of shots together. And obviously they travelled to Japan. That was yeah. like what most of the Kickstarter budget was mm-hmm, required mm-hmm. for. Really, like getting them all across there with the filming equipment. 
um, going into the WiseNet studios and recording footage in there, which is amazing to see. It's, you know, as a Shenmue fan, that is the sort of stuff you want to see because you're always wondering, like, you don't see that behind the scenes stuff. We've, no, we've had no. it with like the Shenmue premiere footage, that documentary. It's only really documentaries that you've had a glimpse into these studios where they're designing these games and Shenmue, you've, you've got these, you can picture it in your head, them all, all these people. Maybe it's because I've seen that Shenmue premiere footage where they're all sat down and there's like 300 you know, computers, yeah. everyone yeah. sat in, in the little terminal, you know, designing Shenmue. Um, but yeah, it's, it's when Shenmue 3 was announced and we were, we were getting these Kickstarter updates, the footage that we've got in the documentary is what I was hoping to see yeah. in the Shenmue 3 Kickstarter updates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was hoping to see more like someone sat in front of a computer designing this character. And we did see glimpses of that, um, but I think it, it comes out really well in the documentary, actually. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And actually, some of the behind-the-scenes stuff at WiseNet is some of my favourite bits and pieces because actually, you get yeah. you get history, you get context to essentially how the story of Shenmue's developed and how it moved forward. I mean, for example, we've got now because of this documentary, high-res version of of what six or seven of the chapter tiles now. Yeah, stunning, isn't it? And and we've analysed those to death in terms of what you know where they were going to be in the story are any of them going to be moved you uh, but you can work out from that essentially yeah. the structure of the first three Shenmue games and how it's it insane it's insane actually with the chapter tiles because we've all we've had them since GDC 2013 or whatever but because they were low quality finally getting those high res things you're seeing details and things that you, you never saw before and just adding more um, ideas and things in your head like, oh, you know, who's that character now? Because you can actually see them, whereas before they were just like a little pixel. <laughs> yeah. And within that as well, they they interviewed Kenji Miyawaki, who's one of the original artists for, for, for Shenmue, and he was yep. talking about how Yuzuzuki took a liking to his art style and, and how that sort of then fed into all the concept art that we got and and some of that concept art was shown off in the documentary for the first time other bits were put in the, into the Shenmue 3 kickstarter as well so it, it gives us a, a glimpse i think not just into behind the scenes but to a good history timeline with some nuggets of information or things that as Shenmue fans we're going to take apart we're going to absolutely <laughs> analyze the shit out of anything that comes out of it but for somebody who's not a Shenmue fan it gives them a flavour of how this thing evolved, essentially. From yeah. when we think of evolution, you're talking the concept of like the old man and the peach tree, all the way through to, to that tower demo, all the way into the Saturn version, the, the changeover to Dreamcast, all the beta footage that they showed off there, and then obviously into the release and, as I said, the dark years of, of Shenmue and what happened there. And one thing I think lend, this documentary lends itself really well to is the use of the of like I want to use the word almost celebrity fans I guess is the word I'd use yes. when you think I know of what you it mean. like, like YouTubers got, and yeah yeah exactly so you've got like Michael Huber of obviously um, game trailers and Easy Allies fame he's quite prominent in this documentary talks through a lot you've got Blake <laughs> Harris you've got um, Adam Carlick Ryan Payton. Um, you've got Peter Moore from who was talking about it from his time at Sega. Obviously, Yu Suzuki. Lots of the developers are, are present throughout, and I think the fan 
context of this is is a key driver i think in this documentary as we mm. move later through so we we've been through the sort of shenmue one segment we lead into shenmue two and not a bugbear of mine i guess is i wish i'd have had more around shenmue two it was very quick yeah. wasn't it in terms of you had the release of shenmue there's like shenmue two then released then it disappeared and actually i'd like to a little bit more around shenmue two what it did how it like maybe some more around why and the hows it came to Xbox. Um, I mean, I, I make no secret. I want Peter Moore on the on the interview series to discuss that very point. Yeah. But I'd have liked more around Shenmue Two and and mm. then wh- why that may have failed, how it came to Xbox, and that sort of context around. Obviously, Michael Huber describes the ending and and why we're <laughs> so mental for it. Yeah. but a bit more around what sort of happened in the build-up to it disappearing almost. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, I can kind of see the reason why, obviously, more people are going to know about Shemi 1, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. That's a given. So more people are going to relate to what they're talking about, this brand-new open-world game, first of its kind, Yukoska, um, everyone knows about sailors and all that sort of stuff. So structuring the documentary around the first game for the most part which is probably like i mean the the length of the documentary i think totals to like one hour 15 mm, something like that yeah and then you've got the credits which are like 10 minutes added on to that but within that one hour 15 perhaps maybe the first 45 minutes are sega's history a little yeah. bit on you suzuki whatever and shemu one yeah. and then you've got the sort of five minute segment on shemu two which mm-hmm. like I, I agree with you i would have liked to have seen a lot more on that especially um Knowing that Adam Scipione's favorite game was Shenmue 2, that's where he started. He started with Shenmue 2 on the Xbox. One of those people that probably picked up Shenmue 2 <laughs> on the Xbox and on a shelf, like I mentioned earlier, despite yeah. it not having the Virtual Fight name or whatever. But um, so yeah, I was expecting it to be more tailored around Shenmue 2 because of those reasons. Um, so it would have been nice to have a little bit more. Obviously the we skip over Shemu Online and Shemu City and all that sort of stuff when you think about it. Yeah. Um, none of that stuff is actually mentioned. Um, it goes directly from the end of Shemu 2 to this Kickstarter announcement. Um, so quite a, a, a flash. You're talking, what, 2002 Xbox? Yeah, 2003 yeah. at the max all the way to 2015. So there's like a big 10-year time skip, basically, almost. Um but the the point you mentioned about Huber, that was a bit that my wife picked up on because obviously I'm sat there with my wife and she's like, she, that was the part where she's like, I understand now why you're so passionate and why you're such a Shenmue nut because I, I think he describes it. I wrote it down here somewhere, but he says something like, you've got these two big stone mirrors in this cave, a floating sword, and it's like, what? <laughs> and then it's, you know, it cuts, the story continues or the story goes on. And and within that moment, my wife's like, okay, I, I kind of understand now. There's like this what the fuck moment, and we never got any context behind it for 18 years. <laughs> so I, I think the documentary does that part well, actually. It, it kind of, it, you know, it shows why there's this lasting appeal because you had such a crazy cliffhanger that was never rectified, never, yeah, you know, continued upon um, all this time. So, and then because of the way that they structured the documentary from that, I suppose, which, you know, to credit to Adam, perhaps that's why he decided not to go too much into the Shenmue 2 stuff, because it works out better to go from that moment to then this sort of 
uproar of emotion and stuff mm. that everyone has when the third game's announced finally. It's like you're seeing this euphoria of Yu Suzuki walking on the stage and, you know, the Huber moment is iconic into it. It's just that part sends chills. You know, your, your hair stand on the end even now. Throughout yeah. the documentary, man, I was I was not crying, but I was like really tearing up in segments because I'm like, I'm sat next to my wife and obviously I don't want her to think I'm like this, <laughs> you know, this um, sob or whatever sat next to her crying over these things. Yeah. But you, these, these, the way that they, they structure it and some of the words that people are saying and seeing you Suzuki talking about his project and, the, you know, all this sort of love that everyone's putting into Shenmue. You can't out but tear up, and then you, you get these moments, and you sort of le- le- reliving those periods of time in your life when you know it takes you back to that Kickstarter moment, which just you can't not tear over. I don't think it's it's very hard when you you're watching the documentary. If you were one of those fans that had any sort of emotion, like me and Matt has, when you're reliving that Kickstarter moment within the documentary, you can't help but it takes you back. It, it does it so well. I think that's a, a good positive for the documentary that it does yeah. take you back to the to those moments. It does, and uh, and we know how emotive that Kickstarter was, and and obviously everything that followed it. But I think what, like you say, that jump almost it builds up that height of emotion from Shenmue Two to that real peak of of the Shenmue Three announcement, which obviously for Adam and his point of view changed everything with this documentary. Because, yeah. as I said at the top of the show, it was starting essentially to get attention for Shenmue, and then Shenmue Three gets announced, and they had to change their plans and and everything else around it, and sort of winding it back a little bit as well in terms of what you said around the Shenmue Online, Shenmue City stuff. I wonder whether, I mean, it, obviously, I think it's probably a creative decision as well that they didn't want to go too much into that sort of thing. Because there's a lot. I mean, I, I guess it's a lot of false starts within that timeline which for us probably make a lot of sense but whether that made much sense to the average fan or not i i I don't know and that's probably why they didn't put that in it is that they mention like a few times around rumors around e3 Mm. but they Mm -hmm. don't explicitly go into the shenmue online shenmue city stuff which i can understand it because i think if you're a casual gaming fan that's not really going to have any sort of relevance to you other than are oh, they tried to bring it back so yeah and have difficulty gonna, doing it yeah and if you've got then a, a sort of a time limited documentary of, of an hour 15 hour and a half you have to be really like we said at, at the top of this you have to be really selective with what you put in there so i can see why they you know cut that thing i'd love to know if there's any sort of cut footage somewhere of this sort of stuff and they did talk about it because i'd love to see it yeah um, definitely uh, but my experiences, especially around Shenmue Online and, and, and some sort of digging I've done recently around that is that there's a lot of litigation around it and people don't want to talk about it. So there's there's something off with that, but I'm going away at a tangent. Winding it back, obviously, we then get into the dark years with this documentary and it's moved through at a fairly consistent pace here with lots of interviews, lots of artwork, interdispersed on this journey as, as we go. We see bits from Peter Adam and Alex Munoz, I think's his name, from yes, the that's him, yeah. from the um, from the Dewita stuff, leading up to this Kickstarter moment. And actually, I think this is where then they they lean on Ryan Payton a little bit here, 
And he starts mm-hmm. talking about the Kickstarter and getting in touch with Yu Suzuki and, and how this thing came about, which, you know, that, that sort of thing's gold dust in terms of that he reached out to Yu Suzuki. And it's something he said to me when I interviewed him. He reached out and Yu Suzuki's first response was, who the hell are you? Who are you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is quite, quite funny. But then obviously that then talks around the planning a little bit for the Kickstarter and how that manifested itself from an idea to actually being a realistic concept of okay we can do this thing through a kickstarter we can make this thing happen and then they sort of lean on um some of the fan sort of reviews and and in interviews around the, the rumors around e3 and some of the fan um I think the word I'm looking for is the fan involvement, I guess, around it. And yes, maybe a slight um, thing I'd like more of is, is some of the fan campaigns. When you think of the things that have happened over the year, they mentioned the toy capsule mailing. But like, for example, some of the things like Team U and, and the hashtags there, um, which was, in my view, massively instrumental in, in, in getting the community together and driving this thing forward towards not just saving Shenmue 3 but saving Shenmue as a franchise Yeah, I would have I maybe liked more of that, is that fair? I, I agree, I feel like without the fan community we perhaps wouldn't have got that Kickstarter moment um, so I think because the fans were passionate over all these years, you know, stuck to it never gave up, never gave in um, was the reason why Um People like Ryan Payton and Yu Suzuki, you know, they, they come together and they're like, you know, there's still an audience out there. There's still people that are pining for this. You know, it hit the PlayStation number one most requested game or whatever. You know, there was these things that were happening. People weren't shying away from Shenmue. People weren't no. giving up on it. You know, even through the dark period, like you say, where fans could have given up because of it probably is because of that ending of Shenmue 2 that yeah people fought for you know we need to know what's happening here we need to know what's going to happen next and yeah i, I reckon they, they they could have maybe factored that a little bit more into the narrative but um other than that it's it it, it does that jump well i can understand that jump so then obviously building away from the sort of the community aspect which i like like we've both said they did mention some of it we'd have liked more of it it then sort of starts coming into the rumors around e3 and it's coming back and then they show the announcement which as you say james conveys that emotion oh my fuck you know this this thing's back it's real it's happening and i can't remember who it was but one of the interviewees said he described like an old friend coming back from the dead (laughs) that's how he described it that you thought they were long gone long done and they came back and then it talked about the kickstarter smashing all the records and 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 that sort of context around the hype the hype that this thing was back that Shenmue had come back and I appreciate they obviously had to stop the documentary somewhere and they did all their footage and filming around 2018-19 so the bill to release I think maybe didn't get covered as much as maybe we'd have liked but I can understand where or why that came from if that makes sense Okay, so moving away, obviously we've had the Kickstarter and and yeah. as I said, it, the bill to release isn't there, but we understand why. It talks a lot about the Kickstarter and you then see the footage of um, Peter, Alex and Adam 
going around Abuita, meeting Yu Suzuki and going on that mm. Kickstarter dinner. Um, you yeah. also see a couple of shots. I think you see uh, Landisi walking around somewhere as well. There might be a very slight shot of Joe Kitchen in there. I don't know. But you, there's a few of them in there. But it's, for people who don't know what this is, this was a $10,000 tier for the Kickstarter back for the Kickstarter campaign at the time. You backed $10K dollars. And you got like a dinner with Yu Suzuki. You got to see some like pre footage of Shenmue Three. You got taught, yeah, you go around to Buita with him and, and, and all the rest of it. And it was a, I'm jealous of it. And, and yeah, me too. <laughs> I don't know about the debt that people probably got in over it. But still that's in see, debt. <laughs> yeah, probably still. Are. But seeing that concept, that, that idea of meeting Yu Suzuki and, and going around and seeing those locations, man, that's amazing. Amazing. That's where I think. Like we touched upon earlier, they could have done with a little bit more context. I think if you present that to the audience, that you know they, these are people that have paid this amount of money to be shown around with Yu Suzuki, and and then that goes back to how they interspersed these Debuta walking segments within the documentary mm-hmm. as well. Um, obviously, earlier on before the Kickstarter announcement, the scene walking around on Debuta Street, uh, no, again, no real context. Um, it's just. Shemu fans walking around on where Shemu was set, basically the first game, and I was just wondering about what your your thoughts and feelings was on that, like how it it sort of goes from this intense interview style, um, you know, this playful style with people like Happy Console Gamer and you know yeah. Huber and stuff like that, yeah. and then you see these bits of Debuta walking, which I think as a viewer it does help to, so it's not too intense, you know, it's not just constantly providing all this information it allows you to then sort of take a breath um sort of enjoy what's going on here before you go back into the nitty-gritty of the the structure of the the, the documentary or whatever but obviously at times um can feel a, a tiny bit out of place um and it breaks like a, it, it does a good job of breaking up the documentary i think but yeah. again it's also it's like what's going on <laughs> I, I could i get it i can I, yeah and i can get what you're saying that actually it maybe needed a little bit more in terms of, like you said the context of how it's come about and why i think yeah. what they did was for for two reasons one of which you've already covered which is i think it's a light bit of light relief yes um in terms of because as you say it's quite intense there's a lot of information to take on board here and it does move at quite a pace it's an hour you know an hour and 15 documentary to cover the whole history of shenmue which is essentially 20 years which is a massive mm-hmm. time frame mm-hmm. to condensed down into such i say such a small amount of time but you see what i'm saying there that, that it has to be condensed down which is again a, a lot of decision making there which i wouldn't want to have been making i think the other reason for it is i think to stay true to its roots in that it was a fan documentary it was initially going to be a small fan project with interviews with fans and and some of the voice actors which we do see in the documentary as well i think that was a very deliberate decision by adam and the team to keep that element in there to keep it real for us as as shenmue fans and to sort of keep it grounded for people that maybe haven't seen this series before and sort of try and understand a little bit of the roots of this documentary and, and how it's then essentially spawned into this massive project which ended up in, in a successful kickstarter and a pretty damn good documentary at the end of it. And the gamers behind it, I suppose, you yeah. know, it's, it's, it is called A Gamer's Journey, so it is showing basically the journey of Adam, Peter, these people that played the game 
and then went on this journey and then it took all the way to Japan. Um, I do get that. Yeah. It's yeah. And again, it's one of those from a creative standpoint, it may, it makes sense. And certainly for us as Shenmue fans, it's, it's like taking us to Japan for the first time and and, and seeing those things. Cause yeah, you've been lucky enough to go out there. I haven't. So for me that I found that, that section really, really interesting as somebody who does want to eventually go out of there and visit but also for i think for non-game or not, not non-shenmue fans not non-gamers but non-shenmue fans actually you can see how close to life this thing was and what they were going for in terms of the creative process of shenmue and why it was so groundbreaking from a creative standpoint that they were creating this world that essentially had never been done before so giving it that context plus grounding it in the roots of the documentary of originally being a small fan project i think that's that's where that comes from and i think it is quite effective in in showing everybody quite why they they went to japan and, and that journey they went on and why they did back at ten thousand dollars at the end of the day because it's <laughs> that's true that's a shed load of money that i'm pretty sure that i'd never have that amount of money ever just to blow without getting a loan or something so it's it's I'm glad. I'm glad that footage is there as well, yeah. because obviously we got a, a little bit of a glimpse into what that must have felt like for those people as well. Um, obviously, you're always curious about what the dinner is going to be like, what you know, what happens on that day, and getting a little bit of a glimpse of that actually was was nice that they included yeah. that. Absolutely, and it then sort of one thing I think sort of moving away from the, the video footage, I guess, is the music for this thing. Now, the whole thing was original. It's an original score mixed in with some Shenmue music, which makes absolute sense. The anime did that as well. They you know, took some original tracks and then made their own. Makes absolute sense. I think for me personally, that the the, um, the music really accompanies it quite well. It has that Shenmue feel for it. And it's really emotive, some of this music, actually. In those key yeah. moments, when you think of the opening, when you think of Shenmue's release, when you think of the Kickstarter that's where the music really conveys that message and really adds to that that sort of punch in the gut feel if you like of quite what those emotions were at the time mm-hmm. yeah definitely it needs to be there i think to add that additional emotion to what you're watching what you're hearing um throughout like you say that introduction music i can i can hear the credit music now i yeah. I, I love i love the way it ends i love that music that the way it starts and the singing, um, really great pieces of music. There's only one for me that was a little bit overused, and it's. It, I, I feel like it's used mostly with the interview stuff. Mm. You've got the, you know, it's like da da da. You know, it's like constantly da 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 throughout, kind of thing. That one's perhaps a little bit re- repetitive, but like you say, Matt. Other than that, the music's fantastic that they've um, they've used within there. It's. Apart from that one piece, it's when it's well used, you don't notice it. If you know what I mean, mm. it's 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 so well used that you don't really think about it. We're only thinking about it because we have to talk about these things. And when you actually pick up on it, um, it's used well to 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 get the extra emotion from the from the viewer. But as you're watching it, you're not really thinking about the music and the shift in the tones and that sort of stuff. It's just there to accompany the footage to draw these emotions out of you as, you as the viewer watching it. And I think 
because it because it the way it does that it does it really well yeah I, i'd agree and i can't remember the name of the bloke who wrote it but i'm sure adam will, will comment in, when we release this who it was and he'd be in the credits anyway but i do think the score yeah it's 99 out of 100 it's 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 fantastic and i think they've really studied the Shenmue feel with it and it mm-hmm. does convey that Shenmue feel while being original and being new and also being slightly different with it as well and again mm-hmm. it's part of a, a really good package here for any Shenmue fan or any non-Shenmue fan who's just interested in this thing in, in how it I think touched a lot of people is probably the word I would use here and why it's quite so special and obviously at the end you have the credits, all the fan photos that are there and all the backers and everything that have made this thing possible. And I think that, that adds to it almost. That definitely does, especially with that music that I said, the, the vocal music um, that plays towards the end there with the, with the credits playing. Yeah, it's it closes things down really, really nicely. And I don't know if I can convince Adam to do a second one for Shenmue <laughs> 4, I feel. when we get there but we'll we'll see but that rolls off sort of the main context and content of this documentary one thing that they also did with this thing was a lot of extra content Mm. and there were kickstarter backeteers which i'll i'll show in the in the final edit of course in terms of what you could back for and what you'd get for it um there's kickstarter fan submitted videos um i did one god knows how many years ago i had a shitload more hair and a very much smaller (laughs) shenmue collection than i do now (laughs) Yeah, that, it's that it's still nice that. to see though, Matt, because obviously then that shows the the journey that you've been on as well. That was like your probably one of the first times in front of a camera, right, for Shenmue yeah, material. It, it was literally content. the first time I've ever been on in front of a camera for Shenmue yeah. ever. And so, yeah, I, I don't know why I backed it. I I thought fuck it and backed it that tier when it was. Yeah, out. I was hovering around that, you know, and then I ended up just going for the the photo and the credits mm. is the tier that I went for, but it's. You're there, you're embodied in Shemu history and folklore or whatever <laughs> on a disc, even long gone after you're dead, Matt, if someone picks up this documentary in a hundred years' time. <laughs> I'm immortal. <laughs> <laughs> Immortalised, yeah. Your very first piece of video footage of yourself. <laughs> so that, God, I, do you know I look back at that and cringe a little bit now when you consider all the videos and things that we put together but that's another another story for another day but one thing i uh, do want to touch on is um behind the scenes for shenmue 3 um amazing which is really cool um to see this is only sort of a 10 15 minute short this thing and it shows yuzuki being what i'd consider quite hands-on with shenmue 3 yeah he's talking about the shrine maiden model work and ensuring that she's perfect he calls her an (laughs) a-ranked character um, it goes back to that Shenmue stuff, doesn't it, where he's got like these these ranks of these characters for how well the model. He's still yeah. in that mindset, which I'm sure, maybe maybe not, maybe it still costs a lot of money, but with Unreal 4 and Unreal 5, is it not more like easy to have these sort of good, great-looking character models? But he's still got this sort of tier mindset, hasn't he? Where you've got your... Your low-end character models. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know what he's calling. Maybe he's got like an A, a B, a C rank. Yeah, probably. Uh, I don't know where Mister Muscles fits in that, but obviously he's a bit. He's S probably rank. one of the S rank. <laughs> <laughs> he's probably one of the the poorer models, to be honest, in my opinion. You know, and you've got your um, Mister Care or whatever. You know, these yeah. people that answer the door and they look a bit strange. 
compared to these really photorealistic characters, models of like the Shrine Maiden, you know what I mean? Like you just touched upon there. She's got an awesome character model. Um, yeah. So calling her an A rank is Mr. Care a C rank, for example. So when he un- opens the door, he's got this sort of squarish head. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? When you look at this mm. and when he's looking at Schilling and it's, I think it's at the time that she's there about to go and take the boat over to the castle. And yeah. I spoke to Adam about this before before we recorded this and it was filmed at the, around the end of 2018. So at that point, they were probably still pushing for the August 22nd release. Yeah. that year but obviously it got bumped back to, to November 19th so it says to me at that point Baisha probably had been cut and they were looking they'd obviously truncated the ending to the castle and then since then I think we then know that Cedric obviously said they, they changed the ending again so they've had essentially two oh, changes right, really? of, of ending to this thing by from what I can gather well, I was going to say you, you can sort of see where they've had to go there because obviously they probably know by the end of 2018 and they've got this deadline of august the original release date or whatever it was going to be um they sort of know how long it's taken them to get to that point and how long they've still got left to go they could probably gauge that they're not going to have enough time to Mm. complete baisha so like you say this is probably the the time where they were starting to like think that we're going to have to change the ending slightly here cut cut the baisha thing and really work on what's going on here because like you say you've seen footage of the the boat journey aren't you? you've got the characters there yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. um <clears throat> you know the master bay shilling ren rio you've seen those people there so they're working on the, the the boat scene there at the end of 2018 so i know they delayed the game until november yeah but going off that original re- release date of august if this is the end of 2018 they've got eight or nine months to wrap up the project, aren't they, basically? Yeah. And they probably got Deep Silver at that point breathing down the necks, saying, like, you know, get this, get you know, make get sure out. you get this out for <clears throat> August. So, I'm, I, I, I mean, what else would they have needed to have done at that point? It's hard to, hard to say if they're, they're still working on the way that Schilling's hair sort of flaps mm. or whatever they were working on at the end of 2018. Um, perhaps this was where they decided to start expanding the Awu more, potentially. Start adding more roads, more shops. Because um, obviously we got that concept art of the Awu where it was like this sort of small remote much, port much town. Smaller. Much, much smaller. So whether it was like, look, we're never going to get Baisha done. Let's just continue what we're working with here and expand the Awu a little bit. Um, add some polish to this bit, polish to that bit. And... I just think it's incredible seeing this footage of you, Suzuki, go around, going behind these <clears throat> developers of the game, saying, like, oh, I'm not too happy with that. He actually put, points out, I think it is that boat scene, where he's saying, like, I forget his name, the, the panda, Kung Fu panda yeah, guy. Yeah, I know he um, means. Yeah, from the, the temple that Rio takes across the boat, the one with the, <clears throat> well, the, the bally, he pushes him yeah. into the, with his bally dunty. He's saying, I think the way his hands like tap his legs or something was a little bit too silly. Mm. And he was saying like he'd rather cut the whole scene than have this this silly moment. So he was telling the guy to like make sure you you change all that, make it less humorous or whatever. Um <laughs> which yeah, is, yeah, yeah. it's just fun seeing Yu Suzuki going back to his roots. I think he's perhaps hasn't worked on a big project like Shenmue 3 
since Shenmue 2 even. I know he worked on Virtual Fight 4 or whatever, but you don't know if he's more of a, a director in those sort of games, whereas like Shenmue was his hands-on, where he was going around, he was shouting at people, he was telling people off. You know, people were having to stop what they were doing, remake stuff. You know, you've seen like multiple Shenmue 2 environments, haven't you, when we were looking at yeah, the, the beta yeah, footage cool. of Aberdeen. It's like they, they completely scrapped all of Aberdeen and remade it. So to see Yu Suzuki in Shenmue 3 still having that sort of mindset, not resting on his laurels, you know, if, he, if there's something he doesn't like, he makes sure that it's right. Yeah. As, as, as much as he input as he can give to try and correct things that he's got in his vision, which, um, you know, is a testament to the, the mind of such a great game producer. Yeah, it is, in that he's not accepting of that'll do. He wants the best for, for his projects, and I think that's probably it goes into the logistics around how Shenmue 3 was developed, and et cetera, et cetera, and the team sizes and all of that, which, again, I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole here, but to see, yeah. to see that sort of hands-on feel that he was going around these people's desks and going, right, this is off, this hair's off, I need it to move like this, she's an A-rank character, or the, the hands aren't quite right here, I need this, it's silly, I need this, I want it this way. That's the sort of thing that I think people maybe forget a little bit, and it's really cool mm. to see him in action doing that and, and, and talking to his team, and he's quite calm and respectful about it, but he's very clear at what he wants. Yeah, he it's not like he's being, he's being petty or anything, it's like no. he's it's going from a genuine sort of like you know, we, we, I need it to be this way kind of thing. But like you say, he does it so nicely. He's like smiling, laughing. And obviously the, the guy's not like, oh, you Suzuki, man, I've just spent like two weeks doing a hair like this. And I he's like, you know, it's not like that kind of relationship. It's a, like a nice relationship. It's like, yeah, yeah, okay. We'll, um, yeah. we'll fix that. Don't worry about it. And it's just nice to see. It's the yeah. kind of footage that I always envisioned seeing uh, or you know, I want I want to see how this game was produced. Um, like you, I th you said in the past, Matt, it'd be nice to get like a a GDC of what it took to make a Shenmue Three. I think there's like a, a real post mortem, yeah, topic of conversation there to you know some of the trials and tribulations, the challenges, um, how they managed to get this game created from the ground up, going off of you know these beloved titles of Shenmue One and Two to producing a Shenmue 3 title in 2015, 2016, 2017, all the way up to 2019 when it was released, that four-year period. How was that experience? Because it would have been nice to add that documented to a T, and mm. I, I do think that there is definitely potential there for you know, a, a GDC talk or something from users who do about how that was made. Sure. And actually, um, what it does do very well here is just gives us a very small flavour in this documentary's behind-the-scenes footage of yeah what they were dealing with, how they were working. So moving off of that, there's also behind the scenes recording with Bill Black and Corey Marshall, who were recording the English dub mm. at the time. Um, we've been quite lucky that Bill that. Has supplied us some footage as well, which is fantastic. Um, but they also let Adam and his team into some of the recordings. So you can, one, one reoccurring theme I think comes through this behind the scenes footage from Yu Suzuki's footage at WiseNet and, and Bill Black here and Corey Marsh is that how much care is being put into this thing like yeah, this agreed. is being made in and quite openly on a budget 
a very tight budget but everybody is doing everything in their power to maximize how good they want to make this thing and that comes through i think with this behind the scenes footage as well with with yeah. bill black and corey how they time him into what he needs to say and bill's quite not harsh but he's very much a that's not right we do it again do it again it's not good enough we do it again and and that striving for quality or as much quality as they could get with what they had i think is testament to the people who've worked on this thing and the documentary does a really good job of bringing that 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 stuff behind the scene out of it and, and give some context into the people who worked on this thing but one really thing... good point that is matt because you think about the the naysayers of Shemu 3 who were saying you know it was a bad game and all this sort of stuff the, I, I don't know if they've got that same sort of mindset where they're, they're thinking it's just been lazily produced you know mm. the voice acting's just as bad as the originals you know these people that didn't like the original english dubs or whatever but when you're actually seeing the care and attention that went into behind the scenes work here the documentary does like you say do a good job of saying like no actually they did care about this project yusuzuki was really hands-on he wanted things done correctly and you know and, and bill black was the same with the way he was doing it he was saying like to cory marshall can you you know just a wow that was a good wow you know the mm. some some of the things that cory was saying oh we need to can you take it up again, redo that? And seeing like actually how professional this behind the scenes recording was with Bill Black and Corey actually sort of stands out to me actually. Is this is was this exclusive to the Blu-ray? This I don't remember seeing this before. It's on the dig it's on the digital site now, but right. I don't remember seeing it it may have been, but I don't remember seeing it at the time when the original digital release happened. I could be wrong in, in, in that. Yeah, I could wrong be wrong, but I don't remember seeing either the the Yu Suzuki behind the scenes no, ten minute thing, no, no. or that little segment with Bill Black. I don't remember that personally. Yeah. But it's, yeah, awesome. it's a really, really nice insight into what happened behind the scenes. And between those two bits of footage, you've got probably about twenty minutes of behind the scenes, which is really cool. One yeah. thing that isn't on the disc, but is on the digital, and I'd recommend everybody who's into the Shenmue lore and things that should watch this. About an hour and fifteen minutes is there's this. It's, it's it's raw footage from WiseNet where Yu Suzuki is going through the, the, the chapter tiles, the books, the scripts, and he's talking about them, and there's a camera over his shoulder, oh. which I'd kill for the footage. <laughs> it's for. just amazing, mate. It's, I think Adam was, like, shocked that they managed to let him film some of the stuff. Um, I, I, I feel like I remember him saying that he couldn't believe that they just let him set up a camera, pointing it down, as he's going through the pages of his concept art books and he's got all these folders, it's so neatly organized. It's just amazing to see that stuff. That is a Shemu fan's wet dream, really, just seeing these old original concept art drawings of Rio, Shemfoir, uh, like you say, the concept art of, uh, sorry, the chapter tile artwork. Um, just seeing that so personal as well, that sort of personal, it takes you to that moment. Obviously, they're just stood there looking at the stuff that Yu Suzuki's showing them, and he's getting excited about showing them this folder. You know, these, you know, I suppose yeah, to him, yeah. it's like a teasing him. Oh, look, you know, you don't know who that guy is yet, but you might see him later, kind of thing, because he's going through these pages. He's like, wait, what? what? What was that picture there? Yeah, it's no, like, oh, that's a spoiler. <laughs> yeah, I can't show you that. Um, but just yeah. taking you to that position in their studio looking at that. Uh, you kind of feel like you're there because of how raw this footage is, and that is, I definitely would recommend, like Matt says, if you can get a hold of the digital version of the, the documentary, I'm not quite sure how that's available, and whether or not this is a Kickstarter exclusive. It but is. If it is, is it a Kickstarter ex exclusive? Yes. 
So okay, Backer so if... <laughs> exclusive. You've got the link and the password. You can watch it. Right. Um, and Adam was very clear that people shouldn't start throwing this link and password around the internet. So please right, don't. Yeah. But if you haven't watched this stuff and you're a backer, um, watch it because it's yeah. absolute gold. It, yeah, it perhaps really if you were like waiting for the the Blu-ray to, Blu-ray to arrive because that was yeah. your preferred method of watching, actually go find the email where you got your password and check the stuff out because um, that's not on the Blu-ray and it's definitely yeah. worth watching. Absolutely. But a couple of things that are on the Blu-ray and um, there's a bonus feature with Adam Korolik, which looks like... I think your notes say this bit of a drug deal and a sort of a random. It does the way it starts off, yeah. He walks up to Adam and he's like shaking his hand and he's like, Hello, I'm you know, I'm Adam Korolik and opens his the trunk of his car and instead of like all this white gold <laughs> drugs and stuff, it's just Shemu merchandise. Merch everywhere, yeah. so it's quite, Which it's quite I suppose funny. is a drug to us. <laughs> it's quite funny. And then we mm. sort of see shots of his collection and he talks about some of the variations of of the things he's got in his Shenmue collection, which is really cool. And yeah. the other one, which James, I'll let you talk a little bit about because they've obviously been on the um, disc for Shenmue World, and we get a making the Shenmue the Gang Edition. Yeah, I had to double check actually, see if it was on this disc, but it's not. So if you want the full, where am I pointing the camera here? If you want the full Gang Edition Shenmue experience, obviously you've got this disc with issue two of Shenmue World. Uh, there's loads of content on this, loads of bonus footage deleted scenes, bloopers, there's that interview that you did with the map from 2001. Mm. Um, all three films, of course, like loads of special edition, uh, special features on that. But one thing that isn't on there, which is on the A Gamer's Journey Blu-ray, randomly, I'd, I, I mean, obviously, I, I take it this was before, this was probably the, the leftover footage from 2014 mm-hmm. when... Adam was probably going around interviewing fans about the series, about the you know what their contribution contribution was to the Shenmue saga, basically prior to the Kickstarter announcement of Shenmue Three. So this was probably footage that he was planning on using or inter, integrating into the original narrative. So it's it's quite nice to see that. But you've got the sort of making of the Shenmue Gang edition. Yeah. So you've got Mike who's detailing how they produced Shenmue the Gang edition one two and then subsequently three. And the way he's talking about it in the documentary here, the special feature, is of someone that doesn't know Shenmue 3 exists. He (laughs) he sort of says, like, you know, this was my contribution to sort of wrapping up the story. Um, This was my sort of closure. Uh, I wanted to produce a sort of a a Shenmue 3 story that sort of gave fans a little bit of closure, um, despite not having the game kind of thing. And then obviously... I assume only months later after recording this footage, Shenmue 3 was announced. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just nice, neat to get this little extra here um, on, on this disc if, you, if you're a fan of the Gang Edition stuff, the Gang Entertainment guys. Yeah, absolutely well worth well worth a watch. And, but both of them are absolutely hilarious and been around Definitely. the community a long, long time and do some awesome work for the community. So... Okay, then let's let's bring us into sort of our final thoughts about this documentary before I do a little bit of around where you can find this bloody thing. So yeah. give me a rating out of 10 and a quick summary, James. What did you think of it? Oh, 10 out of 10. We're going to have to go for nine, I think. I think nine is probably a good... I think nine is what you gave it, actually, as well. But yeah, I just think what it does do, it does do well. Um, like I say, we've, we've highlighted a couple of little negatives, maybe a little bit more context here and there required... Um, some petty negative I said was like 
at least for me on my TV, the yellow subtitles at times were a little bit hard to read um, during some of the, the Japanese dialogue. Because obviously the background of these interviewers occasionally was like orangey sort of coloured. So it sort of blended a little bit. That's just very, very minimal nitpicks things. Um, the other little nitpick we had, Matt, was the, the Dead Eyes footage they used, which was a shame yeah. that they used that that trailer. I don't know if there was some sort of legalities, perhaps when the footage moved over to Deep Silver or whatever, they would have had to have like asked Deep Silver if they could use the trailer in the film. So rather than do that, they just went with like the original WiseNet produced trailer, yeah, perhaps. Yeah, I don't sense. know. That's just something I thought about. Perhaps that's the reason why we still got that sort of Dead Eyes footage. Doesn't really do the game justice, in my opinion, to show the documentary people that haven't played Shenmue 3, because it kind of looks a bit silly seeing that, you know, Rio like, you know, returns around like that. You know, it's when, when it's mm. it's been improved upon anyway. Yeah. Um, but other than that, mate, that. I think what it does do, it does do amazingly well. And I think if you're a Shemu fan, you've got to check out the documentary. I think if you've had any connection to Shemu over the years, you're going to appreciate what Adam's done here and the team. If you're a Sega fan, you're going to appreciate some of the stuff that they've gone into detail there. Like I say, it's got it's sort of like two documentaries in one. It's the Shemu narrative, mm. and it's the Sega narrative, Yu Suzuki. So if you really like your Sega history, if um, you want to go a little bit more detail of Yu Suzuki's career history, um, definitely check out the documentary, not just for the Shemu stuff alone, um, but what they do do there, they've intertwined all really nicely. It's a, a really well produced one hour 15 package there that does a fairly decent, like I'm saying, decent as a nine out of 10 job of giving you that story from point yeah. A to point B and where we are today to kind of pretty much. Brilliant. Yeah. I, James, I completely agree with you. I, I've given it a nine out of 10 as well. Um, I was thoroughly, thoroughly impressed with the documentary as a whole. I think like you say, there's some small nitpicky things, but they are very much nitpicky things. I don't think they're anything that would potentially ever put me off watching this again or anything like that. It does a really good job of detailing the history of Shenmue in a journey type format, which is exactly what they're going for. Um, it gives Shenmue fans a lovely context to essentially how this game was put together and made and the thought processes behind it. And I think it gives non-Shenmue fans a little bit of history, not just of Shenmue, but Yu Suzuki and the contribution he had to gaming. And I think that aspect of this documentary is underrated and it really, really should be put out there that Yu Suzuki was instrumental in the gaming and the games that we have today. And this documentary does a really good job of of doing that side of things as well. But sort of coming away and sort of to close this thing down, I guess, as well, is people are going to ask, where can I get this thing? Well, at the moment, and likely when this is released, copies will still be dropping on people's doorsteps. Uh, most of the UK has been done. USA shipping's happening. Canada shipping's pretty much finished, finished and they're doing uh, Europe and other territories as we speak. Um, it will be available for sale. Some of the physical copies will be available for sale, so any leftover Kickstarter copies can be bought. Adam will communicate that in the not-too-distant future, hopefully. It is also going to be available on some streaming platforms. I don't know all of them. But I know one of them, and that's because someone on the Shenmue 500K found it on iTunes. Interesting. So you can buy it on iTunes, um, and they, it should be out on other streaming platforms not too far away from now as well. So you've got the opportunity to buy a digital copy, like to 
chosen device or you can get yourself what will be quite a limited run of physical copies as well. But that then, James, brings us into our competition and how you yes. can win a physical copy of A Gamer's Journey. Okay, Matt. And I assume all the bonus footage that we just spoke about is only available on these physical releases. I assume. I presume so. If you download the digital digital version from iTunes, it's not going to come with the bonus mm. behind the scenes stuff. So definitely worth picking up the physical if you can. Uh, like I say, we've got a sealed version here. Uh, Adam's kindly sent us an extra one, and I don't think we mentioned it, Matt, but it comes with a nice yes, poster of Yusuzuki. Really nice artwork there. Um, if you would like to win that, all you have to do is subscribe to the dojo on YouTube here that you're watching this video on right now, like the video and leave a comment below and we're going to pick a, a winner from the comments below. Um, not sure when, Matt, uh, you, you might be better placed to, to say when. <laughs> what I'd say we do with this is once we've released it, we'll go seven days. So anybody yeah. who's liked, subscribed, and commented the on the video week. in the first week of this release, you'll be entered into the draw to win your physical edition of A Gamer's Journey Definitive History of Shenmue. And it's well worth getting hold of a physical copy because I don't know how many are going to be left once the Kickstarter stuff's all been said and done. But, guys, for now, thank you for dropping in on, on this review. We've had an absolute blast doing it. The documentary is absolutely fantastic. Um, any Shemu fan must, must, must go and watch this thing. And if if you don't, you're absolutely insane, quite frankly. I don't. Go support it. You go and support it. Leave reviews for it if you've enjoyed it on IMDb, iTunes, wherever it is, and, and voice voice how much you enjoyed this thing i think it's sitting at four and a half on imdb currently already out oh, of five good. so it's doing pretty damn well that's really good so that's really really good but let's make sure we you know if you're enjoying this thing tell people about it get the message out there and try and push this thing up to the forefront as much as we can but guys introduce new people to the yeah, shenmue series yeah, with it. yeah definitely absolutely yeah. more people the merrier into shenmue and if this is a way this is a potential way in for people to understand how how and why we are so passionate about this thing but guys thank you as always for dropping in on the content uh james and i appreciate it very very much and we'll be back with streams videos lore everything <laughs> as we keep pushing towards shenmue 4 and hopefully we get some sort of shenmue 4 news as the year progresses but for now guys Take care. Have a good one. It's so a goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. And I just want to say thanks to Adam for every, yeah. all the hard work he's put in. I think we definitely need to thank him as well. Yeah. So Adam, mate, if you're watching this, stellar job. Thank you. Well done. And you've earned yourself a darn good rest. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Take it easy. Ah, oh, look at the time. 